Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by our very own food critic, Mike Sutter. Welcome back to the show, Mike. Always good to have you. How are you doing today? Oh, it's always great to be here. I'm doing doing great. Uh, kind of um, looking at this past week, it's been pretty crazy since the review of Frida dropped. <laughs> a little bit. You set the the culinary world ablaze, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny you you say ablaze because um, when I first started here, there were three different restaurants that I had visited had fires the day after I visited them. <laughs> not not the night I was there, but the day after, like there was a fire, and then I went into the pig stand and. <laughs> There was a kitchen fire while I was at the pig stand. So everybody started calling me fire starter. Legend has it. Uh, Mike Sutter shut down Luke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That thing. Well, that was way. that was like uh, that was the very first review I did for the Express News in 2016, five years ago. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. you know, Luke was this vaunted place by John Besh and and had had already spent almost five years there on the on the Riverwalk. And um in fact, I had done an anniversary dinner at Besh when it, I mean, at Besh, at Luke when it first opened. Um, but man, I went there and it was just a, it was a train wreck and I said so. And uh, it just freaked people out because it's like, ah, this guy from Austin is going to come in here and just, just uh, trash everything because he thinks that's the cool way to do it. It was like, no, that's not it at all. You come into a new market and you've got, the great thing is you've got no grievances but you've also got no allegiances. That's that's true, and uh, that that brings us to to the pandemic because we talked probably sometime mid twenty twenty about how you were kind of holding off on reviews, and it, can you talk about why that decision was made to not review restaurants during the pandemic? It didn't seem like the right time to do it because we were still gauging what the industry was looking like. It's hard to gauge a restaurant by what it's doing with its to-go program alone and without full staff and without full customer participation, a restaurant isn't truly what it is. When it's in pure survival mode and so is everybody else, that's not the time to say this is how this place is because that's what a that's what a review is. A review is a is an accounting of who and what that restaurant is at that time, but it also carries forward for some time after that. So to go during a pandemic when they're when they're doing curbside and to go and uh, the dining room isn't open yet or it's open at twenty five percent capacity, that's hardly a time to take a temperature. And so fast forward to now, it, it, the free to review. I don't think it's the first review you've done post. I mean, I'm going to use the word post pandemic in, in quotes right there. Um, 
but it's the first one that really, for example, uh, Stefan Bowers, he uh, on his Facebook posted, is the pandemic over? Because it seems like Mike Sutter brought his axe out of retirement. And I thought that, <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, it sounds like I spent that whole time diabolically sharpening that axe in the out in the workshop. Uh, we, we did our last review March 15th of uh, 2020. And that's when things started to shut down. And we said, okay, we're going to suspend that. And then we, we brought back up when restaurants were back at 100% capacity. And it, you know, it was still their call whether to fulfill that uh, capacity. But we started back up in March of this year. And I started with Brasserie Monshushu. So two things, that's the new restaurant at the Pearl. So two things happened then. Um, one is that we instituted a five-star system, whereas we had we used to do the four-star model kind of based on the New York Times model of four stars. But then we we figured out, you know, the world runs on five stars these days. And I think back in those days, if I remember correctly, the the four star, the zero star, like I think you use the analogy like the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> right. Zero. The Gregorian calendar does not recognize the year zero, and um, but that doesn't make it any less real. Uh, so we essentially used to have a five star system, and that fifth star was a zero. <laughs> yes. And uh, that just that means everything that you think a zero does. Well, in the new system, it's one through five stars, and one star means essentially what a zero used to mean. And five stars, of course, is where the the four was. But this one, this star system, you don't have to explain to people because they're on Yelp, they're on Google, they're on TripAdvisor, and they know what five stars means uh, implicitly. And right. so we came out of the gate in, in March with Brasserie Monshushu at the Pearl, and it got all five stars and earned every one of them. Uh, I think the last one that I – or the first one I remember reading that really caught my eye was, was Little M's because I've been wanting to see a review on that one. And you gave that one, what, that four and a half stars? I've been looking three, for Three it. and a half. Three and a half? Three and a half, which is still a, a pretty strong review. Yes. I mean, maybe you look at it uh, – Yelp reviews – Restaurant owners see a three-star Yelp review as a disaster, um, but I, I think in a classic five-star system, three is three is you're doing okay. Atta boy, way to go! Well, I'm glad you brought up the star system because that's something that's newer or newish, and. While the impetus for this was the Frida review, I kind of yes. wanted to do an anatomy of a review. Um, unfortunately, Frida is going to be the one that we <laughs> we're going to use as our uh, sample. But I wanted to go kind of step by step into what goes into a review, not necessarily a negative review, but just any kind of review. And I wanted to start at the top. Like, how do you pick a restaurant to go to? Because Frida's was a restaurant we talked about uh, I think mid 2020, we talked about how it was just about to open. It was already on your radar. Were you just waiting to for, for it to be at full capacity? Do you have a list? Do you have a hit list, Mike? Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how, how do you pick the restaurant? Let's start there. It's it's a list, but uh, there's no. It's not a hit list. It uh, the the factors that we look at now. First off, it's going to be new. What, what are we looking at that has opened recently that people would be, that our readers would benefit the most from learning more about? And we do restaurant reviews in the first place because think about a restaurant as entertainment. 
and think about the broad scope of entertainment possibilities that we have as consumers. Now, not all of us can afford to go to a, a professional basketball game. Not all of us can, uh, can afford the time or the babysitter money to go see a concert. Uh, those are great forms of entertainment. The universal form of entertainment is going out to eat. And it's an egalitarian institution. We can all afford to go uh, interact with it on some level. So that's why we do reviews in the first place. So something that's come out new that uh, we want to let people know more about, that's probably the first most deciding factor. The second factor would just be buzz. Even if something isn't necessarily brand new, let's say video tacos have become the latest thing that everybody's talking about. We might look at that and say, well, hey, let's find a, a San Antonio example and let people know more about it by virtue of the review. And then maybe the third thing we look at is what are those San Antonio institutions that have been around for years and maybe people take them for granted or there hasn't been a, a, a refreshed conversation about them in a very long time. So we go and we look at something like what's the status of Paisanos after 20 years? I'm glad you brought that up because uh, all jokes aside, I, I really do see the food critic job as like any other journalist. You're there to inform the public. It's, it, it, it might seem trivial to some, but people spend their hard earned money and you don't, I think one of the most disappointing things you could do is ha like have a night out with your friends or with your spouse or partner and not enjoy your meal. So I see the the work of a food critic and the, and the work that the taste team does exactly like I see like what something like Brian Chasnoff would do or uh, as a journalist. So I'm, I'm, I'm well, glad you, you. you brought that up. Thank you for that. And I, and I agree with that a hundred percent. We want to help people maximize their entertainment dollar. And, uh, you've, you've been in that family dynamic when dad picks a restaurant and you go out to eat and it's a disaster and you know, whose fault that is it's dad's fault for yep. the rest of the family. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> become the restaurant's fault. So I'm trying to give people some armor against those kind of situations in their families or their homes. And I also want to point out that the a negative review is going to weigh more than a positive review and even positive reviews and negative reviews, they can be outweighed. It could feel like it's something that it's not. People are still going to go to these restaurants. It, it, it's yeah. just... Um, it's just your opinion at the end of the day as well. That's that's correct. It's just my opinion at the end of the day. And I love the fact that a restaurant review, a bad review, will galvanize the customer base. And people that were loyal to the restaurant in the first place, it reinforces their affection for that restaurant and kind of gives them this, this defensive posture. And they circle the wagons and they give that restaurant business. And then it gets recharged and whether they do it because of something I said, or just because of, wow, we have this new influx of capital. We have this new interest. Let's, let's do this. And that enthusiasm can help raise the level of whatever is happening at that restaurant. That's good. Now, a positive review you know, I almost feel like a positive review has more risks to it than a negative review. Because for a negative review, about the worst thing that can happen is say, oh, I thought it was okay. So you're completely wrong. Whereas give the place a five-star review of any little small thing goes wrong. You have been proven completely wrong. I can see that. So then uh, <laughs> let's move on to this. My, my next question really is, 
what happens when you go into a restaurant? Do you call ahead? Do you make reservations? Do you just walk in? Talk about the, the process of you ordering the food. Do you go multiple times? Is it just one visit? Uh, t- talk to me about that kind of thing. Yes, we go multiple visits, uh, two or three, sometimes four, even five times. Um, kind of the bench, the benchmark minimum is that we're going to go for full-on review visits at least twice. And, um, I do not, uh, call to make reservations under my own name, unless there's just no way to get around that. Um, you know, because they're, uh, you set up accounts at various places to make, uh, reservations. Like if you have to pay for a reservation and, uh, buy a ticket, like you do at say Michele here in San Antonio or something like that, you've got no choice, but to make the reservation under your own name. But if I can, I book under a false name and, uh, otherwise I just show up and I don't let, I don't give anybody advance notice that I'm coming and I don't accept, nor do I cultivate special treatment. Um, I'm not there to get the VIP experience. I I don't want free food. I don't want, um, I, I don't want a special buyout night or a room of my own or something like that. I want the same experience that, um, that any restaurant customer is going to be getting. So what about the, before you get to the restaurant that you're going to review, what, what's your research like, uh, or do you just get to the restaurant and let's see, we'll figure this out. Or do you look for what's been popular before, how do you make those determinations? <laughs> oh boy, I am not about to step into a restaurant just just cold. I mean, I love the idea of discovery and just say being um, um, impressed or wowed or or just um, uh, having this fresh sense of discovery at a restaurant. No, I go in with I go in with a game plan. It's almost booked out inning by inning. I know what I'm going to order. I've texted myself the complete agenda for the night. And it's just one of those things where I have to avoid. I really have to resist just order everything all at once and say, pace it out. Because sometimes it just all shows up at the table at the same time. So, uh, no, I, I do uh, thorough menu research. I like to, I like to know who's, um, who's running the restaurant. Um, uh, certainly what kind of, uh, what kind of background, uh, anything about the building that I might know previous tenants of that space, everything I can find out, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to go into that place, um, armed with that information. The thing is too, the thing is too, like if, uh, most places don't know me, and don't really care about um, the review process. Uh, they've got Yelp and everything else out in the world. They're accustomed to reviews. You're just a you're you're just another person taking pictures with your iPhone. The places that do know me, and there are you know a handful of restaurants in town that they that's really important to them. If I come in, it's not like all of a sudden they can have better produce in the kitchen, or that they can get uh, bring different people on staff or um, have their absolute best service person come in. They've got to deal uh, with the same personnel and the same product that they have on hand right there. It's got to be representative of the type of experience the average customer is going to get. Oh, yeah. If I go in there and have a VIP experience, what does that tell you? It yeah. tell you anything. So then as you're writing the review, are you writing... And this is super granular, very inside baseball stuff, but I'm super curious about it. Are you writing your review as you go along or do you just take some notes 
and then gather your thoughts later and put it all together? I've done it both ways. For example, when I did uh, a year's worth of tacos in 2017, I was writing the entire review at the table just because I had so much to do that I, I knew I couldn't put it off until until later. Plus, I wanted to get all the sensory information written down at the moment. But when I'm at a restaurant, I'm, I'm already going to be at that table for two hours just by virtue of how much food I'm ordering. And um, so I don't want to I don't want them to have to accommodate me for an extra hour because I'm sitting there writing. So I let my, uh, it's funny how we remember food, uh, this, because we take it in with our eyes. So if I take a good picture of that plate, it's going to bring back most all of the memories that were associated with eating that dish too. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about the writing because one thing that people always comment on is your kind of mastery of the English language. Let's, but let's talk about this Frida review and why you think it struck such a nerve with a lot of people. Well, let's talk about the fact that the nights that I went there for this, for this review cycle, uh, they were very busy. There were um, big tables. There were uh, eight tops, 10 tops. There was a, a 14 top seated on the patio outside. Uh, they have a customer base. They have fans. They, this isn't a place I'm going into and I'm one of only two or three tables in the, in the restaurant, which has happened before. And sometimes that's an indication that things aren't going so well. Um, but when a restaurant is full, you know that they've already got a built-in uh, customer base and fans. And fans like to come to, the, to rally around the restaurants that they love. It's like a chef told me, he said, I can't change or take a dish off the menu. Because if I do, I'm going to offend somebody who's been eating that dish for 10 years. And you know what? It doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to them. That's the kind of loyalty that a restaurant engenders. So I think that's one of the factors that has come into the, the reaction to this review. The other is that I still think there are people who think it's inappropriate to be reviewing a restaurant with full with a fully sharpened knife set uh this close to the edge of the pandemic it's still you know i i think there's still some some discussion to be had about um are restaurants still fully at their at their highest powers and is this the time to start giving them uh, to, to stop grading them on a curve. You know, I've always, I've always said, we don't benefit the culinary scene and we don't grow as a city. If what we do is walk around patting everybody on the back and saying, you know, good job, good on you, especially considering dot, dot, dot. Now, the way that we raise the culinary scene is by being honest about it, by calling it the way we see it when it lands on the table. I'm glad you brought that, those points up. I mean, I'm seeing people maskless all over the place. I, I think San Antonio's um, politically, the leaders, uh, our leaders here have done a good job of uh, taking the right steps to make sure that most people are safe. So I think that the time is is right. And I think your your review, judging by all the comments and like all the shares that we got, people, I mean, they they were mostly, I don't know how to phrase this. They were... They were ready for it. It, it felt normal. Does that, I felt like we were coming back to something normal to see uh, a negative review, as it were. 
Yeah, and this is this is a degree of normality I think that that is free of the politics of normality. Yes. And which I'm not going to get anywhere near in a podcast or anywhere else in a public forum. Uh, but for restaurants, we've gotten back into that, you know, at no point did they charge less. In fact, they're needing to charge more to make up for um, higher salaries and higher um, uh, food costs. So we're still paying. We're still wanting the experience. And whatever you think of the way that the, that the culture has reopened, whether you're for that or against that, there is certainly an environment where people are going in expecting the full restaurant experience from restaurants that are open and charging full price, which, which everybody is. And I've always said that um, once a place is open and it's charging full price, um, it's, it's going to be subject to the, to the kind of evaluation that we do. Well, Mike, uh, thanks for your time. I, I always, I love having you on the show. It's always a pleasure. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I love to talk about this. If you've ever been around me at a, at a party or just uh, uh, coming over to my house or whatever like that, if you if if you want to just talk about nothing else for the rest of the night, get me started on restaurants. Yes. And uh, if you want to read uh, Mike's reviews, be sure to check the link in this episode's description. We'll have a link to that review if you haven't already seen it somehow. But <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Luis. I appreciate you having me. Thank you, Mike.